listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. We're going to begin a brand new series this morning called Jesus Stories. And what we have done, we've selected 11 parables that we're going to simply walk through over the next several weeks. You know, this idea of parables, and the best I can tell, there's around 38 parables, most of them found in the synoptic gospel. Some people would take John and uh, the example of Jesus being the vine, they would categorize that as a parable. So there's some leeway in here, but I've come up with about 38 of them. But a parable comes from this word that means uh, to literally place alongside something. And so here's what a parable does. It takes something very familiar. It might be something like losing something. We've all done that. It might be farming or gardening. It could be the example of attending a party. And he's going to take these stories, these examples, and he's going to lay them alongside some spiritual lessons, or we could even say doctrines. And for the most part, the good news is parables are simple. They're very straightforward. In fact, I love how John MacArthur, his definition is one of the best I've found. He said, it's a simple word picture, an ingeniously word picture. But it illustrates a profound spiritual lesson. So, simple word picture, but it brings such meaning with a spiritual lesson behind it. And it's like these things. Sometimes you see something and you have no idea the impact that it will then have on you later on. And in fact, it was about two weeks ago. Uh, I was kind of got on and, you know... Uh, Get on the computer, something leads me here, leads me there. Before long, you know, you've spent an hour on YouTube. You know, it just happens. You wonder where it goes. But this particular day, uh, I think my family, we've been watching uh, the, the show uh, America's Got Talent. And there's some stories, and that's what's so great about it, getting to know the people. And there was this one story about this young lady, and she loved to sing. But then she loses her hearing. And so, as I was kind of reading about her story, a uh, link led me to another place. And before long, I was watching this story. And before long, I realized what had really just happened. It's a story of a video clips of children that through the modern miracle of medicine, procedures were happening, implants were given, and for the very first time, they heard their parents' voice. I mean, before long, you're watching this and you just find yourself weeping over what that must have been like. It's these cute little children and they put the little implant and they they put it on their ear and all of a sudden their parents start speaking to them. And and the kids begin to shake and they begin to reach out because for the very first time, they hear their parents' voice. Well, this morning, with the idea of parables, we're going to look at two things. One, we're going to look at the purpose of parables. And the great news is Jesus tells us. But then we're going to look at what's really happening. What is really happening when God's word is proclaimed. And kids, you're going to love this parable this morning. If you love to play in the dirt, this one is going to be right up your alley. So I want you to find your way in your Bibles or on your device to Matthew 13. 
Matthew 13, we find the first recorded parable that, that we have. In Matthew chapter 13, we'll begin, and it's often titled the parable of the soils. So find your way, Matthew chapter 13. Let's begin right at verse 1. This is how it reads. Since that same day, Jesus, he went out of the house and he sat beside the sea. Great crowds had gathered around him so that he got into a boat and he sat down. And the whole crowd, they stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. And the birds came and they devoured them. So what he's going to do, he's going to use a very familiar example or a picture of what people would understand. He's using the idea of farming. But farming back then, a little bit different than maybe we see now. For one, things weren't divided up in neat, tidy little fences. In fact, a plot of land would be created. You would begin working that land. But in between separating these lots of land, you would designate this to kind of be the path where people would walk. And so what happened, that ground, it would begin to get packed down and down. It would become harder and harder. But when a farmer would sow seed, some seed, it says, would fall on that, that path, that rocky, or that, that path, that pathway. But when that seed would fall, the ground was so hard from all those years of people walking, there's nowhere for that seed to grow, and so it makes an easy meal for birds. Then he begins in verse 5. But other seed. It fell on rocky ground, and where it did not find much soil, so it's shallow. And immediately they sprang up, but since they had no depth of soil, when the sun rose up, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. And so he's not talking about, we often would say, the rocky soil. It's not talking about a pile of rocks. No uh, sensible farmer would do that. But as they would plow their field, a lot of times that plow could not reach down far enough. And what would happen? Some of the soil would be turned. But unknown to that sower, that farmer, underneath that thin layer of dirt would be rocks. What would happen? That would sow that seed. And all of a sudden it says it sprang up quickly. All of a sudden something green is growing. But to the trained eye of a farmer, he would know, oh, that's not good News. If it springs up too fast, he knows that there's danger lying underneath. There's only a thin layer of soil. And so there's nowhere for those roots to grow. Even though at the beginning it looks great. Man, it doesn't take long. The sun comes up and those roots are not deep enough and it quickly dies. The third soil in verse 7. Other seeds, as he's throwing it out, is thrown among thorns. And the thorns grew up and it choked them. So another problem is farmers sowing in this field. But when you would begin preparing that field, yes, there would be grass and it would get churned into the soil. But in that same soil would be the seeds of thorns. And so as that plant begins to grow, so would the thorns. The thorns would then begin choking out those plants that the farmer was trying to grow. But then, in verse 8, there's a fourth one. But other seed, it said it fell, and it produced, on good soil, and it produced grain. But not just produced, it says some a hundredfold. 
some 60, some 30. And then he says, he who has ears, let him hear. So some of the seed, it fell on this good soil. And when it says that it produced 60 or 30 or even 100 fold, it means that for every denarius that that farmer spent, or for every dollar, it said that it come harvest time, he would make $30 to one, or 60 or even $100 for every one that he invested. So a great word picture. Everybody would be nodding their heads going, oh, I know exactly what he's talking about. I, I've done that. But then in verse 10, look at what it says. Then the disciples came and they said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? So the disciples, they immediately recognized a change in something. They recognized a change in Jesus' teaching. Because before this time, think back, Jesus had been teaching in the synagogues. In fact, it says the leaders were amazed at his ability and knowledge. And he really shook things up when he stood before them when it was his time to read. He reads from Isaiah 61 and Luke 4. And then he says, today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So the disciples recognized, whoa, there's a change but here's where some background is so helpful. See, this is toward the second year of Jesus' public ministry. He's been going public now with some miracles and teaching, and he's coming to the end of his second year. But not everybody's excited about this because the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, they're in conflict with Jesus. See, the Pharisees, they prized themselves on being specialists and enforcers of the law. In fact, they were particularly strict about making sure everyone to live up to their version of the Sabbath. That's what they honed in on. That's what they made the measuring stick for spirituality. And what they did, they overlaid the inspired Old Testament guidelines to the Sabbath, and they added their petty man-made restrictions. This was their signature issue. In fact, they were militant in their attempts to enforce it. So they try to discredit this man Jesus. So the previous chapter, Matthew 12, what you find is Jesus' disciples, they bring this issue to him, say, your disciples were hungry. They picked some grains of wheat to eat. And the Pharisees, man, they're all up in arms about this, and they challenge Jesus' authority over his disciples. Because what happened, Jesus responds to them, and he says, But the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. But he went on to say, The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And the Pharisees are now infuriated about what is going on. Why is he not upholding their view of the Sabbath? So they devised a plan. So you would turn to Matthew, or Luke 6. It's the example where they bring this man. He's got a withered hand. They waited for the moment. Jesus teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath. They bring him forward and they challenge Jesus to see what he is going to do. Would he break their Sabbath rules? Right in front of all of these people. So they asked him, Jesus, is it lawful to heal a man on a Sabbath? Remember Jesus heals him. So the plans are then put in motion to eliminate 
their problem. In fact, the Pharisees, they were so concerned and more concerned about losing their place of power and influence in the community than they were really about seeing Jesus for who he was. They were more concerned about all the things about themselves and their agendas and what they had established. But they had more than enough evidence to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They'd seen miracles. They'd heard Him teach. But it could not penetrate their hardened hearts because they were too afraid of losing what they had built. But because of their hatred toward Jesus, their hardened hearts to the truth that Jesus was the promised Messiah, He begins teaching in parables. Because I know a lot of times we tend to think, oh, a parable is this great picture, and it's to help us understand these difficult truths, and that's going to be part of it. But there is another side to parables that we often don't hear about. So let's look at the purpose. Let's see then what is the purpose of parables. Jesus kind of breaks, and he goes to verse 10. So the disciples asked Jesus, why are you teaching in these parables? Then the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak into these parables? Jesus answered in verse 11, to you, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more is going to be given. And he will have an abundance. But for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So the first thing we need to do, there's two important terms that we need to understand. What are these terms and what are they talking about? First of all, he talks about secrets. Or yours might say mysteries. But it's not talking about something that only an educated or a religious leader could know. It's not a secret in that sense. Because the Pharisees, they prided themselves on being the holders of the secrets. They figured it out. They held these out to people that we are the experts. But it's talking about a truth that has either been partially or fully concealed, but has now been revealed. So there were things in the Old Testament that were partially known or even completely hidden, but now in the New Testament, they're made clear. And then he uses this word, kingdom of heaven. So the mysteries, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. What is he talking about? I believe he's talking about the activity of God bringing his rule to the world. Namely, through Jesus coming as the promised Messiah. That he had this plan and he's been partially revealing it in the Old Testament. But we get to the new and we see it come front and center. So now we see the purpose of the parables. For some, it's great news. For some, it is to reveal truth. Man, it's a great thing that through these stories, we are going to learn more and more about God, the mysteries, and His kingdom. But it's also meant to conceal truth. So the purpose of parables, for some, it's going to be blessing. But for others, it's going to mean judgment. That God has granted some understanding. These were the disciples that accepted the truth of who Jesus was, the promised Messiah. And now Jesus is going to use these parables to reveal more and more truth. But to some who have rejected the truth, 
The parables are going to be a form of judgment on their unbelief and their hardened hearts. And so parables for some, it's going to be that great picture of that little child that gets that implant for the very first time, hears the words of their father. And the excitement wells up, and it's like they almost can't contain themselves. They had no idea until that moment. And for some, that's what it's going to be like. But for others, it's going to be judgment. And he goes back to show you that this is not something new because there's actually a third purpose. Look at verse 13. This is why I speak to them in parables. Jesus says, here's the reason. Because in seeing, they do not see. In hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says this. You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but you'll never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear. But with their eyes, they've closed them. Least they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn. And I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes. For your eyes, for they hear. And your ears, they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see. It was hidden, but now it's come full in front of you. And they did not see. And to hear what you hear, and you did not hear it. So the purpose is to fulfill the prophecy back in Isaiah. And what we see is the same two groups back then that we see now. There are some that their eyes and their ears are opened to the truth. And they're like that little child that hears their parents' voice for the very first time. But some, their hearts are hardened. Their ears are plugged. They cover their eyes. And for them... The parables are judgment. Some people will not understand of what they're hearing. And eventually that means because their minds are so made up, they are so set in their ways, that when they hear the word of God, the truth that challenges them, maybe do a new way of thinking, a new way of life. They simply do not understand. But others, others will find a never-ending fountain of understanding. And they're like that child that hears their parents' voice. So the purpose of parables, and this is why we're talking about it today. In fact, in Mark it says, if we don't understand this parable, we will not understand any of them. First of all, it's to reveal truth. But it's also to conceal truth. For some, the parables are going to be the greatest blessing. But for others, it's a form of judgment. Jesus will now give the meaning of what he just told us. Look at verse 18. We call this the pathway soil. Or I would say those that refuse to hear. He says, hear then the parable of the sower. When someone or anyone hears the word of the kingdom. And does not understand it. The evil one comes and he snatches it away. What has been sown in his heart. And this is what was sown along the path. So the seed It's the word of the kingdom. It's the teachings of Jesus. It's God's word. Or we could say it's the gospel message. 
in the soil. It's the heart of the person. The seed is scattered. In this first example, the seed, it falls on that well-beaten path. Maybe perhaps this is the most disturbing and hopeless of all the conditions we see. Because Jesus tells us in this, he says, the word of God is like this seed, but there's no hope. It's a completely hopeless condition. That just like the seed, it makes an easy meal for the birds. This truth is easily snatched away because of that hardened heart. So this person here that he's talking about, this is one that he just doesn't care. Just not interested in the things of the gospel. They're walking through life and they just don't care about spiritual things. They're hopeless. They're spiritually dead. They're totally vulnerable to the lives of Satan. Because it's just, I don't care. But look at the next soil, verse 20. The rocky soil. We could call this the shallow here. As for what was sown on the rocky ground or that shallow soil, this is the one that hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. There's immediate excitement. Yet, he has no root in himself. But endures for a while. But when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, he immediately falls away. So this person, they hear the truth. They immediately seems like they respond. There's this great excitement, but it's short-lived. There's only this superficial belief. There may be a lot of excitement and enthusiasm, but it quickly fades. Things happen. Times get hard. Circumstances of life. Busyness. And they fall away. So this person, man, they're excited at first. And we might even say, wow, look at what is happening in their life. But it's short-lived because their faith is shallow. It doesn't matter how much enthusiasm this person has. What happens is there's no room for that root, that seed to grow and the person falls away. So then he takes us to the thorny soil. I would call this the worldly hearer. He says in verse 22, As for what was sown among the thorns, this is one that hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. It chokes out the word and it proves unfruitful. So this person hears but they're just preoccupied with everything about life. They hear, but they're too in love with the world. They're too obsessed with the cares, the riches, and the pleasures of this life. The values of money, possessions, prestige, comfort, a host of other things. It comes in and deceives their heart. And it drowns out the truth of God's word. So what we see is these three different hearers, the wayward the shallow, the worldly, but they all have something in common. It doesn't last. But there's one last soil in verse 23. Look at how he reads. He says, but as for what is sown on the good soil, and I would call this the fruitful hearer, is the one that hears the word and he understands it. He indeed, he bears fruit and he yields, in some case, a hundredfold. And another sixty. And another 30. So this last soul is one that is well cared for. And it produces the desired outcome. The word is cast. And it finds a listening ear and a heart. 
And when that happens, the seed, it takes root. And even though trials and temptations of life come, the seed, it grows and it produces 30, 60, 100 times more. So here's what I want us to see, that a response to God's word is dependent upon the condition of your heart. The response of God's word, what is going to happen is dependent upon the condition of your heart. But I want to show us quickly some important things about this parable. The purpose is to reveal truth that's going to be blessing. But it's to also conceal truth to some in judgment. And those that hear with open hearts, the promise is that more and more understanding and faith will be given to you. That's the promise. It's like a child that hears their parents' voice for the very first time. There's going to be a world of discovering who they are. But for those with a hardened heart towards God, that'll never give understanding, what they do know, it says, will be taken away. And they remain hopeless. Because a response to God's word is dependent upon the condition of your heart. But here's three interesting things. One, notice the sower. Did you notice that nothing is said about the sower? He or she is not even identified. In fact, the sower in this parable could be anyone. It could be anyone that is distributing seed. Anyone that is proclaiming the truth of the gospel. It began with Jesus. It was then taken up by the disciples. And then their disciples and their disciples. All the way down to you. Someone proclaimed the truth to you. And so now, now it's our turn. We are the ones that need to be sowing the seeds of truth of the gospel. But notice the seed. Nothing is ever said about the quality of this seed. It all comes from the same source. It isn't that some soil got good seed and some got defected seed. The seed was the same. Because the seed, it's the message that God spoke in the Old Testament. It's the seed of Jesus and his teaching. And it's the seed of the gospel message the disciples took from Jerusalem to then Samaria, to Judea, to the ends of the world. So the seed is simply the message of Jesus that you heard about in your home. That you heard about in vacation Bible school, at church camp or Sunday school, maybe at the deer camp riding in the car, or shopping with a friend, that was the seed being sown. And it's the same seed that we need to be casting around us today. The message hasn't changed. But you also noticed about the weather. That this seed was sown. It wasn't that some got sun and some didn't. That some got water and some didn't. The conditions where they were all affected by it. All of them got sun. All of them had to endure rain. But it was the one that had the soil that was able to weather the storm. Meaning everyone's going to have trials. Everyone is going to have temptations that will try to rob them of the truth. But it was all about the soil. It's all about the condition of a person's heart. Because remember, response to God's word is dependent upon the condition of your heart. But here's what I want you to hear This morning, every time, every single time the word of God is taught, 
every time the gospel is proclaimed, do you know what's taking place? I'm talking every time the gospel seed is cast, whether it's through a sermon or a Bible study or a mom and dad talking to their children, a neighbor visiting with a friend, or a boss investing in an employee. Every time the gospel is talked about, every time Jesus is discussed, what takes place next is spiritual warfare. Meaning that every time God's word is proclaimed, there is a battle that is raging in the heart of the hearer. There's a battle that goes on within us each and every time Jesus is talked about. You know what? That's why it's so difficult to come to church. That's why it seems like the hardest morning of the week. Whoever said, easy like Sunday morning, didn't know Jesus. That's why... You can come up with a million excuses to not get involved in a life group. That's why it's so hard to stay committed to a Bible study group. That's why we're so fearful in leading in family devotions. I think this is why it's so awkward to pray with your spouse. That's why it's, we're afraid to bring up the gospel in front of our friends. Because every time the word of God is spoken and Jesus is talked about, every time that happens... Spiritual warfare is just around the corner. And that warfare, it takes place on the turf of your heart, even where you're sitting now. That there is a battle that is going on in your heart. And how do I know it? Because I feel it in my own. Because what we've seen from today is these four types of soils. The seed or the truth, it's the same. But the first three soils, they result in hopelessness. But the last soil, the soil that started with the disciples, guess what? It found grace. It's like that baby that heard its parents' voice for the very first time. But the truth is, the soil can't do anything on its own. You can't make yourself into good soil if you're being choked out by the things of the world. If you're shallow soil, you can't make yourself good soil. If your heart is hardened, you can't make your heart good soil. We can't accomplish this kind of soil. We can't do it. We're hopeless. We're fallen, guilty sinners with shallow, thorny, rebellious hearts. Left to ourselves, you know what we would do? We would grow harder and harder. But the great news is that there is a gardener. That God is the only one that can plow and prepare your heart to receive the word. And he does this through the regenerating and the sanctifying work of his Holy Spirit. Because a response to God's word is dependent upon the condition of your heart. And every time that truth is spoken, a battle will rage in your heart. So I'd ask us all, when you hear the gospel proclaimed, when you hear the name of Jesus talked about, is it like that deaf child that hears his parents' voice for the very first time? Or is it, does it find an attitude that says, you know what, I just don't care? Or you know what, yeah, that sounds great, and I'm excited about it for a while, but it quickly fades. Or does that message get drowned out by the cares of? Of the world. 
So the question would be, what is the condition of your heart? Are you satisfied with it? Or would you love to have the excitement of that child that hears his parents' voice every time those pages begin to turn? If you are not satisfied, I think the call is simple. If not, cry out to the gardener. Ask God to change your heart. Because every parable that we're about to look at, it'll either be a blessing to you because you'll come into more and more understanding or it will simply be a form of judgment. And God says that I will take that understanding from you. What is the condition of your heart? And if you're not satisfied with it, reach out to the gardener to change it. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.